This is the Run Matters Podcast, brought to you by Skechers Performance. Go like never before. And now, your hosts, Mark Sullivan and Neil Schwartz. Welcome to episode one of the Run Matters Podcast, presented by Skechers Performance. I'm Mark Sullivan, and I'm joined by my friend and co-host, Neil Schwartz. Uh, this season, we have a great group of guests, including world-class runners Meb Klefeski and Ed Cheserak, and a leading run specialty retailer will also appear on every episode. Mark, we're also going to be joined by Kurt Stockbridge, and Kurt is the lead product developer for Skechers Performance, or as I like to call Kurt, the guy behind the guy behind the guy. Yeah, these product developer guys are truly interesting cats. They start in the uh, R&D labs with a bunch of rubber and mesh and and put it together into what we eventually see on the retail sales floor. All right, so let's get to our first segment with well-known uh, running blogger and running coach, Amanda Brooks. On your mark, get set, go! Let's run to the finish with Amanda Brooks. Hey, Amanda, how you doing? I'm doing great. Excited to be chatting running with you. So Amanda Brooks will be one of our regular contributors on the Run Matters podcast, and we're thrilled to have Amanda be part of it. Um, she has a great perspective on running that complements a lot of the other athletes we have on the show. So Amanda, tell us a little bit about your background, how you came to running, and what your point of view on running is. Sure. So I've been a runner myself since about 2002. And I think I came to it like a lot of people after years of only running for punishment. I finally got to a place where I could enjoy it for myself. And that's really informed kind of how I've looked at the sport forever and how I coach. I'm really trying to get people to that place where they can enjoy their runs, no matter what their pace is. I think that's a huge thing. So I've been writing about running now since 2007 and actually coaching runners since about 2012. Tell us a little bit about the coaching part, because I think a lot of people, as you do, come to running, particularly they start out as a high school athlete and they run for punishment and they eventually get to the point where it becomes for themselves. But how did you get into coaching? And again, what's your sort of coaching philosophy? Coaching came about a little bit just as a result of writing about running for so long. I had this huge audience that already kind of trusted and respected that I knew a lot. And so I decided to go forward and get certifications and learn as much as I could. And after helping a few friends, then I started kind of diving into really creating those training plans and that's how sort of my philosophy came together was kind of organically where I just found I loved helping people who were in that space of feeling like a beginner, even if maybe they'd already run 20 half marathons and helping them understand, you know, how can they fit in all the pieces we talk about? So how do you run enough, rest enough, foam roll enough, strength train enough without it feeling overwhelming? So it sounds like your philosophy on coaching is almost mental. So, I mean, it's interesting. There there have been so many conversations over the last couple of years about good form running and, hey, you got to be a midfoot striker. And me as a young runner, I was always told to run heel to toe. Here I am 30 years later, and I now discover that that's completely the wrong way to do it. So it's interesting that you didn't really talk about form. You talked more about the mental aspects of it. 
I think for a lot of runners, if we can get through the mental aspect, then we can get into like those pieces. But if they're so worried about their form that they're not even enjoying getting out there, I can't get them consistent in their training. So step one is kind of, I just want you to do it, fall in love with it, and then we'll start tweaking things. Where were you when I was a 22-year-old bad, <laughs> bad form runner? And I'm, my body is still paying the price today. So anyway, the topic we want to discuss today is it's getting to be near daylight savings. All of a sudden, right now, you know, we look out our window at four o'clock and it's going to start getting dark. So I think we wanted to talk about running in the dark and some safety tips and um, maybe some things you should and shouldn't do when it comes to uh, darkness running. I love this topic because honestly, it is the majority of the year for a lot of runners. It's dark in the morning. It's dark after work. And I think it kind of comes down to two things. There's sort of the mental aspect of it, which for a lot of female runners is kind of getting over that hump of fear. And then there's the gear aspect to it. So on the mental side, some of it is just doing it. It's kind of that showing up, allowing yourself to get comfortable with it. You probably have places you've been running. So go somewhere that you already feel comfortable. Start with just a short run that's very close to sunrise. And over time, just like your runs got more natural, showing up for those early mornings when it's dark will also start to feel more comfortable for a lot of people. As a coach, do you have a recommendation that you'd make to people? Are they better off running in the morning or you know, four in the morning or nine at night? I encourage the morning for most people. And it's because they're less likely to have an excuse or a reason not to go. So at four in the morning, at five in the morning, whatever it is, it's before your day has started. So the world hasn't piled on everything yet, or you haven't finished your work day and realized how tired you are. Amanda, I know you're discussing running at night, but I think there's something that kind of is kind of itching me about running during the day. And that is there are so many distracted drivers out there, people who are texting, people that are doing things that frankly, they really shouldn't be doing when they're driving. You know, how, as a runner, how can you be conscious of these things? There are a couple of things that I think are super important to know. One is for some reason, not everyone realizes that you want to run against traffic. So I always want to see that car coming at me so that I can move if necessary. And anytime I am ever crossing a street, I try to make eye contact with that driver. You know, that's interesting because I've heard people debate back and forth about this running into traffic or running with traffic. In fact, uh, we've had some discussions here where I live even about bicycling. Do you want to bike into traffic or do you want to bike with traffic? I've always liked to have it uh, into traffic because I'd rather see what's coming my way. Yes. And I actually looked up some state laws on this because I had a biker get angry with me the other day. And I was like, I swear I am right. And sure enough, almost every state, the law is that runners should go against traffic and bikers should go with traffic. What are some of the sort of simple things that you recommend to runners in terms of visibility, safety, uh, and so forth? There are a couple of big things. Easy one is that you can get a running vest so you can throw it on over any gear you already have. That immediately makes you visible. 
You can find tons of gear that has reflective woven into it now. Even your shoes usually have it. So just those little pieces are key, but then it's doing the right things like running against traffic or, you know, choosing an area that's generally lit so you feel better. Most people a lot run with headphones on. Is that advisable at night or would you recommend, you know, no headphones at night? I know for a lot of runners, if I say no headphones, they're going to say I'm not going. So I try to say, can you do one headphone and keep the volume down so that you can still just be very aware of what's going on around you? Hey, Amanda, thanks for your insights on running safety. Amanda is going to be a regular contributor on the Run Matters podcast with our Run to the Finish segment. Thanks, guys. Ready for our next segment, Neil? You bet. Let's get to it. Let's talk shop. Run Matters, Retail Matters. On each episode of Run Matters, we'll be joined by a leading run specialty retailer from around the country. And we are thrilled to have as our first guest, Chris Farley of Pacers Running in Arlington, Virginia. I'm honored. Thank you for having me. Really appreciate it. Start out by telling us a little about Pacers. I know I know your mom. I know your brother. Mm-hmm. I know you're a family-owned business. Give us the history and, and kind of where you are now. Pacers was a store existing in Old Town Alexandria since 1991. Uh, I started working there 1999, uh, quickly realized that it was what I needed to do with my life. Mm-hmm. So I convinced my parents to mortgage their house in 2003 and we bought the existing store in Old Town Alexandria. I'm grateful to this day uh, for my parents taking that leap of faith because if we didn't have like the, the, the business already there, it would have been uh, a lot harder to make it. So you talked about uh, post-pandemic retailing, and you were one of the first stores in the country to offer virtual fitting. Mm-hmm. Can you tell us what virtual fitting is and how that works? We were fully shut down from March 15th to, uh, you know, for, for three months. Uh, so we quickly pivoted to doing virtual fits and we wanted to, you know, mimic what we were, what we would have the customer doing, uh, have our employees do, uh, we wanted to, uh, make the transaction as seamless as possible and be able to send them direct links to the products that they were, that they were hoping to buy. Uh, but we really wanted to, to, to translate that level of customer service, like I said, and, this has been successful. We think this is something that's going to continue to be successful and we've we've carried it on and it's been a pretty significant part of business even when the doors are open. So virtual fitting, I mean, what do I do? Do I put my foot up against the phone? Do I put it up against the computer screen? I yeah. mean, I've seen yeah, I have, I have really big feet. Good question. Um, well, we, you can print out uh, if, if you want to. We can't obviously uh, depend on our our uh, customers to have brand devices or foot measuring devices. So you can print out uh, a piece of paper and, you know, you you can, uh, that'll kind of have a ruler along the side. So we can get your size from you just stepping on the piece of paper and drawing a line there. So sizing has been difficult and we've had to send multiple pairs of shoes to some folks, uh, but we do get your size uh, length and width by just uh, putting your foot on a piece of paper now, I'm not sure your foot would fit on one piece of paper, Might Mark, so, maybe, pieces, yeah. so we could do two pieces. <laughs> and and then, you know, we, we will walk them through the process as we normally would uh, in, the, in the store. Uh, you know, all the technical things that we would do in the store, we can do virtually. Chris, I've seen some new scanning technology um, out there that allows 
um, you to use your iPhone or other smart device mm-hmm. to be able to take a, a scan of your foot. Are you um, headed in that direction? Is that something you've seen? You know, where are you at with yep. that? We is a good question. Yeah, and we are. Uh, we are taking a measured approach of what technology to use because there's a lot of great te- technology out there. But sure. we need to up the game. We think this this virtual fitting is here to stay. So we're gonna we're gonna invest in the technology, and I think we're gonna look a lot different in six months. So Chris, let's move out of the four walls of your mm-hmm. store and into the community. And and having been to your store and been in your community many times. I think the connection you have with your shoppers and and with the community at large is extraordinary. And it's really something that uh, special you have. Mm -hmm. Can you share a little bit, elaborate on that? I I mean, that is the number one thing that we have. And I appreciate you you saying that. I think it's been the toughest part of of what we've done over the last, uh, you know, since March, over the last six months here is that we don't have as, as much touch points, as many, as many touch points with the, uh, the runners in our communities. Uh, we can't put on our races. Uh, we have 18 road races that we own and operate, uh, that, that really help our, our engagement with our, with our running community, all our fun runs, all that stuff has not been, uh, it's not been happening. So, uh, yes. So we are, um, a lot, better, a lot more, uh, proficient with our emails, uh, with connecting with, with our customer base through that. Uh, we have put on virtual races. Uh, we have, um, you, you know, we, we've done seminars, uh, over zoom. Um, and we've, and we've used our podcast to, to give, uh, the, uh, the, the, the runner and the DC area a voice. So we've stayed as connected as we can, uh, because that is the number one, that's the number one, uh, priority of our business is to be that community retailer and community resource for runners in DC. Chris, you mentioned you pace the nation, your podcast. Mm -hmm. Um, how many episodes in are you? I know you've been doing it for quite some time. Yeah, we, we are 250 episodes. We just had our 250th episode, which thank you, which was, I thought a, uh, a nice milestone. We've been doing it for over five years and um, as you know, podcasts are a grind, but, uh, they're a great way to have these discussions and, um, you know, tell stories. And that's what we've done effectively, I think for the last five years with Pace Nation. So who have been some of your, I've been on the podcast. I know yeah. I'm probably one of your Mark, favorite, favorite Mark, guests that Mark, you've never, Mark, you're ever everybody's had. favorite guests. Uh-huh. Yeah. But who were some of your favorite guests on Pace the Nation? Yeah, so I'd say, um, you know, Meb, uh, who we've had on, who um, was, is, is, you know, we've had people like that on the on the show who have been fantastic. And they're elite runners. And that would, you know, some of the, those would be the ones that you'd expect on a running podcast. Someone like Med, Meb Kofleski, he was great. Um, someone like Allison Desir was fantastic. Um you know, she was, she, she's, she's a runner. She's a advocate. She's of, of this, uh, uh, for, for, for Harlem run. And, uh, she's an ambassador for, for Hoka and, uh, ambassador for running for, uh, people of color. Kate Fagan, I thought was fantastic. She's an author. Uh, she's on ESPN around the horn. Um, she, um, you know, was, was telling a story of, uh, of see Maddie, what made Maddie run, uh, a story of of a woman uh, who was at Penn and committed suicide. And it was a tragic story, but you know we've been able to really reach just a wide range of of, of people and and personalities uh, through this, and it's opened a lot of doors, like um, 
Walter Ropp, who I have to say was one of my favorites as well. We had him on the the podcast for a short version, and then I was able to interview him uh, at the running event. So, Chris, you were great with Walter Robb from Whole Foods. And uh, for all our listeners who want to hear the story about how Chris made Walter Robb cry, you can catch that full story on runninginsight.com. So, Chris, I have to ask you as we get ready to wrap up, what's the future for run specialty? What's the future for pacers? We've got to take the offensive right now. We really do. As, as, a, as an industry for pacers, um, you know, we're 20% down. Our, 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 uh, in our stores, which we feel like is somewhat of a win. Um, our online uh, business is, is, you know, up significantly, obviously. And we continue to believe that that's going to be a big part of our business. We believe we can anniversary the sales that we did this year, next year. So we believe that that's always going to be a business with the virtual fits and the things that we're doing there. Uh, but we've got to take an aggressive stance because there's so many runners out there now. Uh, we've got to service those runners. We've got to continue to create new runners uh, because running is as hot as there ever it's ever been. Uh, so we're going to open up our our seventh store. Um, I think I, wow. I think this might be an exclusive here. I don't know. I'm scoop. not sure if I've announced. Yeah. So we're going to open up our alert. Yeah. So we're going to open up our seventh store um, uh, next month in Georgetown. So we'll have four stores in D.C. And you know, we just felt like you know we needed to um move forward and really you know give our employees an opportunity show the community that we are uh coming from a position of strength that, that we believe we're going to be here we believe running is going to be here and we we believe that we can service and create uh more runners than ever before so we need to do that with you know what our bread and butter is which is physical locations and so we're doing that. And on the back end, I think it's just so important to get really sharp with your landlords now. And that's what we're, that's the way we're able to, to open this, uh, open this next door because, you know, we've got leverage. We've got a business that is viable that people want. Uh, and you know, so I'm not sure, you know, who these landlords are going to get in there if it if it isn't going to be people like people like us. So we're taking that st- stance and we're getting really sharp with our landlords and and we're um, we're rewriting what the deals are on that side to make this thing work. Best of luck with all that, Chris, and thanks for being on the show today. For all our listeners out there, when you're in the Washington D.C. area, make sure you stop by one of the Pacers stores. I guarantee you'll have a great experience. Well, hey, thanks, Neil and Mark. Uh, it's been it's been a, a real honor to be your your first retail guest, and uh, thank you for having me. Really appreciate it. The pleasure was ours, Chris. One of our regular contributors on the Run Matters podcast, powered by Skechers Performance, will be Meb Kofleski, or as I like to refer to him as, the Michael Jordan of running. Let's spend a few minutes with Meb. And now, a few minutes with Meb. Brought to you by Skechers Performance. Welcome to the Run Matters podcast, Meb Kofleski. Meb, uh, it's so nice to have you and uh, looking forward to spending a good season with you. Mark, thanks for having me. It's great to be with you. So, Meb, so much has happened. Uh, We were just talking before we came on air. When we were getting ready to launch this podcast back in March, we were going to do it at the race that you were launching, the Carlsbad 5000. Here we are six months later, no Carlsbad 5000, no races to speak of, no Boston, New York, Chicago this year. What have you been doing to run? 
and what's going on in your life right now? You know, Mark, 2020 has been a strange, strange year. The year is not over, but it's been a difficult for everybody. But, uh, you know, runners are resilient, persistent, and paying attention to details. So the more we can work hard, be united, and, uh, you know, curve, lower the curve and can be healthier the faster we can get there. But at the same time, you know, distance runs is about patience and marathon especially is about patience. So when you see those big races going on, uh, being canceled or postponed or uh, going virtual, it's a new events going on, but we have to adjust and adapt and hopefully look for better days. Yeah. So speaking of better days, what's your training method like these days? How much are you running? What are you doing? Uh, fill us in. Oh, you know, my running is my DNA. I love to run. I love to start my day with that way, getting up in the morning, take the girls to school or make sure they're set up and then go for a little run. And I go anywhere from five miles, six miles, up to eight miles. And, uh, you know, just the hardest part is getting out the door. Once you get out the door, you kind of get inspired. You feel a little sweat and you're like, you know, I did it. I accomplished that. And it's all mental, physical, and emotional always with all the situations that we're going on. It's always refreshing whether the view changes your mind or the chips of the birds, you hear them change your mind or you run into people who are running. You give them thumbs up or, you know, from far away, you wave at them. And so you energize. You And for me, I try to run before 11 a.m. After 11, I really, it's hard for me to run unless the girls have soccer or something in the evening, then I will, I will run there. Man, Mark talked a little bit about uh, the Carlsbad 5000. When we started planning the Run Matters podcast, we were really hoping to kick this off at the Carlsbad 5000. And that's an event that you are the promoter or you have bought that event. Tell us a little bit about what your plans are for that event. And then, of course, the disappointment when you know they had to cancel it. Yeah, the Carlsbad 5000 is an iconic race, not only nationally, but internationally. I'm a co-owner at that race. And uh, yeah, I mean, we wanted to be in person and you have beautiful scenic uh, of the ocean to run and see it. But unfortunately, because of COVID-19, we have to go virtual and it's not the same, you know, but the second alternative is that. And hopefully we can get back into the bandwagon and have it a wonderful experience, you know, uh, the community of Carlsbad embraces it and it's a big part of the community and the run, running area of, you know, whether it's you do it with your children or they're doing it with your partner or you want to give, it's a flat course, one of the fastest course in the world and you want to test your body to the 5K. But, you know, going forward, hopefully we can just, you know, kind of med it in to be able to, you know, obviously next April or March, it's going to be not as uh, Likely, but we'll see how we're going to do with the virtual or another race. But it's, it's a great event, and I'm honored to be part of that and also part owner of the Silicon Valley Half Marathon. So those are two races in California that I'm involved with. So what inspired you to get into the race ownership business? I know the sport of run has done so much for me. You know, you in the past, I go there and experience it, and you see how the athlete hospitality, how the it brings people together. It is all about the community event and some people locally, but at the same time, some people want to be part of it coming from out of state or even driving distance two, three hours. So to be part of give back to the sport, you know, now you can give it back in so many ways, been an inspirational, but also been part of iconic races that Carlos Bad 5000 or starting off the new one, like the Silicon Valley half marathon. It's always a great way to be able to be connected with the sport of running because it's given me so much. I want to be able in position to help others to be healthy lifestyle. Meb, it sounds like you've really been able to develop quite a business situation around the sport of running. And in fact, you may be the first runner to really be able to monetize 
um, a lot of the things that are going on and the growth in the sport of running. Tell us a little bit more about some of your other business ventures um, besides the Carlsbad 5000 and the uh, Silicon Valley Half Marathon. You know, those are two great races, but I love being involved in the sport. I, my first business was uh, starting, uh, you know, Carl Brandt from Moving Shoes asked me to acquire the business in 94 after I won, I mean, 2004 when I won the silver medal. But at that time, I was not ready just because I want to still maximize my God-given talent. And after that, I went and brought it with Bob Kennedy, the Moving Shoes. Unfortunately, that didn't work out. I have a good partnership in the business, but it lasted for a while. But I, I always have enthusiasm to do give back and yes i might be the face of the event and things like that but you have to surround yourself with good knowledgeable people and you trust them and teamwork you know i might run the race of 26.2 miles but there's pacers there's therapists there's doctors there's people my my, my wife behind the scene who help me and managers and coaches that allow you to excel your full potential and and going to the business as i retire i definitely want to be part of that and you know, sometimes there's other ventures that I'm looking into, uh, whether it's coaching or other things that I want to get involved or motivational speaking, inspiring people, because we inspire each other, we encourage each other. And that's the beauty of the sport of running. No matter how fast, how slow, getting point A to point B is important. And you have to embrace that to be able to give, you know, whether it's going to run stores or be part of the race events. And I'm delighted to be an ambassador for like example sponsorship or partnership like sketchers but there's others even though i'm retired that are reaching out to help promote this product they have because when everything clicks when you have things on your fingertip and you utilize it it helps you be a better person Meb, it it's so sorry we're running out of time uh for today but i hope you'll come back on future shows thanks neil i would love to be back on your podcast we'd love to have you on Thank you. I feel so fortunate that I've gotten to know Meb a little bit over the years and spend some time with him. And every time I talk to him, he inspires me not just to be a better runner. He's the kind of guy who inspires me to be a better person. Mark, I couldn't agree with you more. You know, in the 16 years that I've been in the sports industry, I've been very fortunate to meet a lot of wonderful athletes and a number of people related to the industry. But I have to say that none was more inspirational, more motivating, and really such a wonderful ambassador for the sport of running than Meb. So, okay, we're winding down to the close here, but before we do, it is time to geek out on some serious shoe talk. We're going to be talking to head developer for Skechers Performance, Kurt Stockbridge. Kurt, welcome to the show. Thank you, Neil. It's great to be here. Talk to a little bit about how you um, like to work with athletes in product development, particularly with uh, Meb and Ed Cheserak, and and touch on those relationships a little bit for us. Yeah, you know, the, the way I see it and the way I've learned over so many years of doing this, that there, there's really only one way to, to make great footwear, and they have to be a uh, very integral part of what we do. Um, the, all the ideas that we have for every model that we've ever done especially at Skechers, comes from the athlete. So they give us the idea. They give us an inspiration. Uh, we make shoes. Uh, we try not to put our own uh, uh, blend of, of values on it. We try to just listen to them. What is it that they need? What are your problems? What can we help you solve? You know, How can we make you perform better, win races, whatever it may be? Um, and what we do is we'll, we'll make some shoes and we give it to them and, and they try it and we get feedback. We take that feedback, we pour it right back into the shoe and we'll do this many, many times until we've got a, a shoe that we're uh, confident in. How many iterations do you usually have to go through during this process? You know, if we're lucky, it would be th like three, 
usually um, what we try to do is that that first iteration, we're trying to shoot for 60%. Like whatever the goal is, if we can get 60% there on that first try, we're on plan. Uh, the second round would be like 90%. And then we're usually finagling just the slightest little bit. That last 5%, 10% is the most difficult to get. But that is what separates you. That's what really serves the athlete. And that's what separates you from the competition. But it can take up to six rounds to answer your question. When you work with somebody like Meb or Chez, also you're talking about the elite of elite runners. Um, but how do you translate some of what they're telling you to I don't want to use the word average runner, but I want to say the the you know the the running customer or the running client. First of all, I I, I love working with those guys, both of them, and um, every elite athlete I've ever worked with. It's funny they all have something in common. They can express exactly what they feel and they need. They don't try to tell me how to build the shoe or make the shoe or make it this way or change that. They just tell me, like Meb and Chez, they're both really good at just saying, hey, this is what I'm feeling. And, um, you know, as a, as a builder of, of footwear, there's so many ways I can solve a problem. And it can be three, five, five different ways. And they don't need to know that context. But if, as long as I know what I'm trying to do and they can articulate that, uh, it makes it a lot easier for me. So it's actually really easy to, to work with an individual athlete and um and come up with something that's going to fit their needs but you ask the question now how do you scale that and make sure that now that applies to a broader cross-section of runners and the way you do that is you just start making more samples and getting it out there um unfortunately we have over 10 years we've built up a, a wear tester base of about 400 wear testers and we know which testers uh, what kind, what types of shoes, uh, they, they prefer, or they, they run in or where their, their area of expertise is. And so, um, we validate it through them. And the more we do that, the more confident we are that we're on the right track. So I have a question. Yes, Mark. I probably shouldn't introduce my questions by saying I have a question, right? I'm Brad. I'll say that's a great question, Mark. Brad was already <laughs> writing that down. So give us an example of the feedback you get from athletes. Like the feedback you can get from someone like Meb or Chez or some of the female athletes you work with. Do they come to you and say, hey, insults too stiff, toe boxes too tight? You know, what, what is the sort of feedback you, you would typically get from someone like that? I mean, it's all of that. Um, some of the, some of the, e the easiest part for us is to fix is fit. Like if they'll tell you how it's exactly it's fitting, it just takes time. Over the nine month of product creation period, um, we, we can dial that in. Um, but it's really like the level of enjoyment, whatever it is we're trying to do. Um, it can be from Meb, like he was really into movement. So for him, the first shoe that we ever made for him was the speed. It was a racing flat. When we met him, we actually only had eight weeks to make it before he raced in New York in 2011. And he just kept harping on us. Like, listen, I can't have any movement whatsoever. Um, so I've got to be so locked down. And of course he's talking about lightweight. It's got to be so lightweight. And he wanted a little more cushioning than, than a typical racing flat because he had had some, he's had a, had an injury issue that we were trying to, um, to work with as well, some impact trauma. So, um, for him, it was very specific needs. And so, yeah, we, we had our marching orders after working with him for, I, I remember talking to him for probably two hours just about exactly what he wanted in the shoe. 
And for every iteration we gave back to him, he would say, well, yeah, you check this, this and this, but it's still not, I'm still noticing that it's not quite fitting over my, between my first and fifth metatarsal on the ball of my foot. It's, it's bulging out a little bit here or whatever. It could be anything. Lace is too long. Um, so he, he, he can be very detailed. Uh, Chesarek's a little different. Ches is funny. He's, he's just like all about speed, man. He's just like, get that thing as light as possible. No matter what it is, he'll ask me, can, I make, can you make it lighter? We go back, we take some, some grams out, whatever, give it to him. Can you make it lighter? I said, Ches, if I make it any lighter, the thing's going to fall apart. You know, it, it gets to that point and that's when he's backs off and goes, okay, that's, that's exactly where I want you. So, um, but, that make, but that's what makes him feel confident. Um, he doesn't want, he doesn't want anything on his feet. Speaking of not liking having too much on your feet, you know, I'm wearing the razor plus right now. And I have to say they're like wearing feet on my feet. Kurt, how did this shoe come about? Well, like all of our models, they come from insights from runners. And in this case, it was Meb. Meb was doing his training in the ride and he was doing his racing in the speed. Of course, he won Boston and that, uh, and he needed a, a middle ground shoe, uh, kind of like his racing flat just for his speed work. Um, and tempos. So that was the idea we made. And that's how the razor came about. What's the big difference between um, this shoe and the razor three, of course, one of your best sellers um, to date. Well, the razor three, we launched hyperburst and that made a big difference. We took so much weight out of the shoe and with the plus, we made it even better by improving the upper, you know, the, the mono mesh of the upper is a little softer, more comfortable. The fit is slightly better. And we have introduced the Goodyear technology with the good Goodyear rubber for better traction and, and durability. If you want to get the Razor Plus, go to runpacers.com. Again, that's runpacers.com. And of course, look up Razor Plus. Kurt, I have really enjoyed uh, having you on the show. I, I love learning more and more about how running shoes are actually made and the process that you go through. Will you come back on the show, I hope? I'd love to come back, Neil. Had a great time. Thank you. Well, that about brings us to the end of episode one of the Run Matters podcast, sponsored by Skechers Performance. Mark, tell us a little bit about who we have on episode two. Two great new first-time guests. Uh, Edward Cheserak, who is one of the most exciting young runners on the American scene today. He's got a great life story that he shares uh, shares with us. And then also our retail guest will be Justin Craig from Run Detroit. Hey, thanks for listening to the Run Matters podcast. And we'll be back every month on your favorite podcast platform. If you like the podcast, make sure you give us a five-star rating. And a good review wouldn't hurt either. Also, head over to runmatters.com for additional content, profiles of the guests and hosts, including handsome pictures of me and Neil in our Sketches performance shirts. And check us out at Run Matters on both Instagram and Twitter, along with LinkedIn and Facebook. Thanks for listening to the Run Matters podcast, brought to you by Skechers Performance. Go like never before.